Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Good morning. How's everybody doing? I want to welcome you, especially if it's your first time. I remember my first time at church. It was a little scary, a little weird, and a little cool all at the same time. I, I, it was so much to take in, but uh, we're so glad that you're here. Our hope is that you experience Jesus from the moment that you walk uh, come into the driveway from the moment that you leave. So we're so glad that you're here. I also want to welcome everyone joining us online. Tell us hi. Tell us you're watching. My name is Angel Juarez. I'm one of the pillar pastors here at this church. And uh, it's awesome to be here. It's hot, huh? It's probably the hottest day of the year, so I commend you. I, I am proud of you that you came because uh, I told my wife the same thing pastors said. I was like, if we weren't pastors, I don't know, man. Maybe we'd go to the, to the beach or something, but it's a hot day. I just wanted to give a side note. I thought it was an awesome and amazing thing that we got to pray for, for, for Steve and Martha um, you know, and if, if you're in here and, and you, you heard us pray, like, you know, we, we're praying for healing, we're believing in healing, and maybe you're like, ah, oh, schmucks, this is, you know, this is, a, we, this doesn't happen. Like, why, why do we do this? Why do you guys say these? Uh, I had cancer too. And God healed me. So it is possible. We are going to pray. We are going to believe. And I just want to tell you, Steve, I want to tell you, Martha, I am praying for you. And we are going to believe in an amazing and incredible healing. Amen? Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you. We're, uh, we're so grateful that we get to come in here and praise you and worship you and learn about you, Lord. May we be changed. May, may we become better, Lord. May we have better marriages. May we be better parents. May we be better siblings and friends, Lord. And Lord, if we're in here dealing with something, either sickness, either financial trouble, either uh, marital issues, Father, may you come into our place. May your spirit guide us. And may we not lose hope, but may we lean into your presence, into your power, into your grace, peace, and mercy. We pray all things in your great and mighty name. And everyone says, man, yeah, yesterday we went to, I don't know if you guys been there. It's called the El Mercadito. It's in East LA. It's great when it's not hot. We, we, we went to some restaurant and like, there's AC, but you know, those old ACs, and we were in the corner. We went with someone at church, and we were all just there pouring sweat. We didn't have, we kept running out of napkins because instead of wiping our hands, we were wiping our face. And my baby had a, had a little fan, uh, and we were all kind of passing it around. But it's, it's a hot, hot weekend, so I won't take too much of your time. Uh, today, we're starting a new series called Better Decisions, Fewer regrets. So it's a good day to be at church. Uh, we, we actually, 
now that I'm, I mentioned my baby, we recently added a TV in the Welcome Center uh, with, with sound. I wish I could say like surround sound and like a big old plasma, but it's, it's the first one. Uh, if your baby gets fussy or doesn't like the sound of my voice, you know, you guys can uh, go there for a little bit until they calm down. Uh, my wife has had to take my baby because he also gets tired of me, but... I recently had a conversation uh, with my mom, and I love to talk to my parents. Uh, I call them every day, usually after work. And one of the, the best conversations that we usually have and that I'm so interested in is when we talk about their past. I love to learn about how uh, all the things that they did growing up, how their parents were with them, the things that they did with their siblings. Uh, even, even when they were all already uh, together and had me and they were here, I find it so interesting. And I find it interesting because it is through their stories that I make sense of my own. It's through what they went through that I start to kind of connect the dots and I'm like, ah, no wonder I'm like that. You know, like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, uh, I, I, I'm like, that's why we live here, you know, and you came to this country and you got married really young. And sometimes I'm even like, oh, that's why you think that way, you know. But, but they're amazing stories. But what's interesting is that the conversations usually end in the same way. And it's usually a mention of some type of regret, it's never like, they never say like, oh, I regret this. But it's, it's always in the sense that they say, you know, I wish I had done things differently. Or they say, you know, if I did it differently, I would do it this way. You know? And uh, the interesting thing is that the decisions that they made, the regret that they have today, it didn't only affect them. It also affected me. It also affected me. See, because uh, when, when they sold their house, you know, we used to live in a house uh, back then when, as Hugo says, when you used to pay a chicken and two cows for them, it was so cheap uh, that we had a house, uh, but, but they sold it and I had to grow up in a beat up old apartment with uh, no uh, insulation and it was the worst growing up I even shared a room with my sister and and my mom felt so bad that like she put up this like like wall like uh and it was I I didn't even have space to walk but but it was a result of their decision that they made because they immigrated to this country I was able to grow up in the United States of America and get to experience all the wonderful things here. Uh, because of the violence that they put each other through, uh, I've had to experience major trauma and anxiety, and I've had to deal with it through, through therapy and, 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 and a lot of prayer. And even some good came out of their decisions too. Like, uh, you know, my mom, uh, she works in Pacific Palisades and she so happened to have friends there who, who invited her during a, a rough patch when she was dating. And they said, hey, uh, we, we kind of have this group that we met together and we're going over this really cool book. Why don't you join us? And she made the decision to go. And, and because of that, she ended up at church. And because of that one decision that she made, I am now here preaching to you the word of God. And so decisions, they matter. They matter. They're a big thing. You are not the only person impacted by your decisions or by your regrets. 
Have you ever thought about the fact that we're all somewhere in life as a direct result of someone else's decision? Usually your parents, where you live, your economic status, the sports teams that you like, even the way that you vacation. I've said this before, but like my wife and I have vacationed before and, and I just, I like to just sleep and not do anything. And she has an itinerary. <laughs> See, maybe, maybe your parents, they migrated here or, or to LA. Maybe your dad's a huge soccer fan or, or your mom really liked the Beatles or maybe your dad's really into, into cars. My wife is a huge Dodger fan and it's a direct result of her family being a Dodger fan. I love movies because like the only great memory I have of, of my dad and I is that he used to take me to the movies a lot. So much of who we are is a direct result of the decisions that our parents made. And the fault, here's the fault, that many believe that what we do today has nothing to do with tomorrow. And that is a lie. That is far from the truth. The truth is that life is connected. Life is connected. There is no such thing as a standalone decision, no matter how small. And believing that the lie that today's choice has nothing to do with tomorrow is exactly what leads to regret. That is what leads to regret. Regret is like some cancers where it's kind of difficult to detect and it's slow to grow. But once it spreads, it bleeds into every area of your life and it ends up destroying. But see, the amazing thing is that it's God's desire for us not to live in regret. It's God's desire to minimize that and to live a life of joy a life of freedom, a life where we get to walk with Jesus. Look at there in your outline, and it'll be on the screen as well. Psalm 25.4. It says, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. And look at Psalm 86.11. It says, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Can someone get me a little water? Because I'm going to pass out up here. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> it's just really hot. The, the psalmist, the psalmist recognizes that there is a way to live a godly life. In other words, that there is a way that we can live that is of the world, that is of our own doing, and there is a way that we can live that is according to God's plans, ways, and life. That he has a path not only that leads to richness, joy, satisfaction, fulfillment, but that also leads to fewer regrets. And so I'll tell you now, church attendance, being here, that's just the starting point. That's just the starting point. We have to strive to live our lives, not according to society, to our friends, and sometimes even according to your parents, but rather according to the living, breathing word of God. 
That is how we are to live our lives. That is how we are to make decisions. And so I want to be able to give us three questions that we can ask ourselves every time that we are met with a decision in our lives that can potentially lead to regret. Thank you so much, Sonny. God bless your heart. See, because the best thing that we can do as pastors and as a church is to be able to equip you to make decisions with a God-centered perspective, especially when no one is looking, because private decisions become public outcomes. Private decisions become public outcomes. And in fact, it's been proven that we are more likely to follow through on decisions that we make for ourselves as opposed to decisions that are made for us. You ever notice that kids are more committed to what they actually want to do as opposed to what their parents are forcing them to do? See, I, I tell those close to me all the time, all the time, that if it were not for this church, if it were not for awesome Pastor Nestor, I would not be where I am today. Uh, it's Spring Church where I learned how to love my wife. My parents didn't teach me that. It, it was here where I learned to give faithfully. School did not teach me that. It taught me how to manage conflict, how not to give up, how to be a leader, how to be a better parent. And so if you're a parent who, who's struggling to bring your kids to church and maybe they're, they're, they really don't want to, don't stop. Because they might hate it now, but it will make a world of a difference, especially if they not only learn, but they actually apply the things that are taught in this room. And so I want to give us those three questions. Instead of answering all the questions for you, like, hey, what should we do here? No, I want to give us these three questions that every time we are met with a decision, we can filter those decisions through these questions. And the first one is, and you can fill this out in your life, in your outline, is three questions to ask in order to have fewer regrets. The first one is, is this a wise decision? Is this a wise decision? Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. It says, be very careful then how you what? How you what? Is be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. You know what? You want to have something that just blew my mind? Most regret comes from decisions that were not necessarily wrong, but just not wise. Most regret comes from decisions that maybe at the time were not necessarily wrong, but they were not wise. See, having friends who only like to drink or only like to gossip might not necessarily be wrong, but is it wise? See, dating someone who, who doesn't respect their parents might, might not be wrong, but is it wise? Getting a more gruesome job that takes up all your time because it pays more, it's not necessarily wrong, but is it wise? 
See, staying up really late before the day you have to be up early, <laughs> it's not wrong. But is it wise? See, making that big purchase on that credit card, maybe it's not wrong. But is it wise? See, I have conversations with people regularly. And uh, for some reason, because they think, like, because they know I went to, to, to Bible school, they think I have a lot of answers, and I don't. But they ask me questions, you know, uh, whether something is a sin or not, uh, uh, what scripture has to say on it. And it's hilarious, you know, like, I've heard, Angel, is it a sin to smoke weed, you know, like, <laughs> is it a sin to get tattoos, you know, like, is it a sin to sleep over my boyfriend's house? And you know what I say now? I, I, say, I say this now. I say, does everything have to be a sin or can some things just be stupid? Do we have to qualify all of that? See, we are so good at seeing how close we could get to the line. We're like, well, I'm not crossing it. But it's there, you know? <laughs> See, and the thing is we have to resort to wisdom because we shouldn't trust ourselves. I don't trust myself. Look, look at what, uh, I, I don't think it's in your bulletin, but Proverbs 28, 20 says, says, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Jeez, so aggressive. See, maybe you've never considered yourself as a really good salesperson like you're not in sales or whatever. I'm a very shy person. I'm, I can never sell anything. But you are the very best salesperson when you are selling yourself on something. You can convince yourself of anything. You are a great salesman. You can convince yourself of any idea, whether good or not. Just, just think about this. Just think of a bad relationship. Either, either you, you've been in one or maybe you know of someone who's been in a bad relationship. All the red flags were there. All of them. But we refuse to see them. And I, I've done this. I've done this. I, I just, I've done this. I just bought a toaster. I really needed this toaster. It's like an air fryer. It was like 200 bucks. But I, I told myself, I was like, Angel, this toaster will change your life. <laughs> this, this toaster will make pizza like if it was an oven. You need this toaster. I was like, you know what, bro? You're right. <laughs> You're right. I'm going to go tell my wife right now. I was like, yo, we need this toaster. My wife, even my wife, she just bought some magical vacuum that's supposed to get rid of all the dust ever, you know, in every crevice of the house. The way she told me, she's like, I need this. She's like, we need this. We need this. And like every now and then, she'll still justify it. She's like, have you seen the floors lately? I was like, I guess I haven't noticed it, but that's how clean it must be. See, we will sell ourselves on anything so good. So good. Look at what 1 Corinthians 6.12 says. I have the right to do anything. 
I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Another version says, but not everything is good for you. Is it wise? Let's ask ourselves, when we revert to God's wisdom, we make decisions based on his truth, his everlasting, non-changing truth, because it's the most sure thing that we can bank our lives in. It will minimize regret dramatically because you will avoid situations that at the moment might not seem like a big deal, but have the potential to be detrimental. For those of you who are dating, or looking to date, let me give you a few examples. Be nice. If he gets overly angry, especially when he drives, if she expects you to always pay, if they are rude to other people, maybe you go to the store with them and they're rude to the salesman. Ooh. If they don't have a job, if they have a messy room, maybe maybe they follow accounts on social media that they shouldn't. See, he or she might be the bestest of the best for you right now. But once married, all those negative things, all those red flags are now going to be directed to you. And you'll be like, you'll be there like he wasn't like this before. Yeah, he was, girl. Yeah, he was. You just didn't want to see it. You didn't ask yourself, is it wise to be dating this person? See, asking that question is a game changer. It'll get your life so straight. It'll force us to be disciplined about the decisions that we make. It'll make us so uncomfortable. I don't like it. I'm being honest. I don't like it, but it has made a world of a difference in my life. It requires a level of control, of self-discipline. There's a quote that says, it is better to rule your own spirit than to rule a city. It's better to rule your own spirit. The second, when we're put at a crossroads to make a decision, we got to ask ourselves, am I giving or taking? Am I giving or taking? Acts 20.35 says, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. This one has to do with relationships. See, a lot of regret has to do with relationships, whether from a parent, a sibling, a spouse, a friend. It's usually regarding our relationships. And see, relationships uh, are kind of like banks. You either withdraw from the bank or you deposit into the bank. When you put the other person before you, you are depositing, you are giving. When you put yourself before the other person, you are taking, you are withdrawing. John 15, 12 to 13 says, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to, than to lay down one's life for one's 
friend. This is so good. This is so good. He wasn't commanding others to feel something. He was commanding them to do something. He didn't say feel love for them. He said do. Love as I have loved. See, Jesus is now the standard for love. Jesus is the standard. And you love by doing. And you do through giving. And see, in relationships, you can give in different ways. You can give gifts. You can give kind words, acts of services, affection, time. Just a side note, if you guys haven't read The Five Languages of Love, I highly recommend it. It's a game changer if you're dating or if you're already married, it'll help you out. And uh, I was recently talking to someone, and we were talking about great people in history. Um, And one of the things that we talked about is specifically about great men in history uh, who, for some reason, have been terrible fathers. We thought of people like Steve Jobs, Marcus Aurelius, Gandhi, Winston Churchill, and even Queen, Queen Elizabeth. And see, they're not the rule nor the exception. It's just a pattern that we saw. And so we started to ask, why? Why are these great people, they they weren't the best of parents, and the quick best explanation was that they were just too busy. They were just too busy changing the world. But see, we don't change the world by what we accomplish. We change the world by who we raise. And raising doesn't necessarily have to be like a a parent and and, and their own child. See, pastor is raising people at this church. And see, more often than not, your, your kids don't want your money. They don't want your advice. They don't want your stuff. They want you. And you give them you by being present, by giving them their time. Did you know that being present as a parent has already put you ahead of 75% of fathers in America? And that has already positioned you in a good place to succeed. See, so much regret comes from not spending enough time with your kids. Isn't that amazing? See, because at the moment, it seemed like a better idea to take more time away than to give. And so when you give your time, you are depositing into that relationship. See, broken relationships, they can always be tracked back to a person spending the majority of the time thinking about themselves and what they can get out of a specific relationship. So the next time you're in an argument with your spouse, ask yourselves, should I give or should I take? The next time you're offended by someone close to you, ask yourself, should I give or should I take? The next time you are tempted to work more when you promised your kid to take him to the park, ask yourself, should I give or should I take? Has a lot to do with selfishness and selflessness. We had a pretty good preaching on selfishness a few weeks back. I, I recommend you listen to it on our podcast. But the third one, The third question we ask ourselves 
To minimize regret is what story do I want to tell? What story do I want to tell? Psalm 112, 1 through 3 said, Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses and their righteousness endures forever. See, something about being a pastor is that you're closer to death much more than you signed up for. They don't teach us that in school. But. Funerals are commonplace for pastors, and it's at funerals where uh, the stories are told of those who pass away. And there is a monumental, monumental difference in the story that is told of a person who loved Jesus and of one who didn't. Massive difference. See, my, my grandfather passed away recently, my dad's dad. And I didn't attend the funeral. I, I, I haven't been close to them at all, and my dad didn't even tell me that it was happening. But after he passed away, one of my cousins posted on social media, and I thought it was interesting. And she said, oh, sorry. She said, it'll turn off. She said, now that he's passed away, it's time for healing after years and years of trauma. I said, wow. I even showed my wife. And I'm sure you can think of someone who has passed and all you can think about is either drunkenness, addiction, or unfaithfulness and the pain that the trauma that they caused. Now, I get it. I get that it's difficult to make real change in your life purely based on what you want people to say about you at your funeral. Now, I can imagine some are like, well, I'm gone. Who cares? <laughs> you know? But I'll tell you this. It will help you make decisions when you ask that question. What story do I want to tell? Do I want to tell my kids how their mom took me back after cheating on her? Do I want to tell how I graduated by cheating and parting my way through it? Do I want to tell how I've slept with a bunch of people? Do I want to tell how I could have been this or that, but I decided not to instead? See, filtering your decisions through this question will help you make sense of them. In fact, asking this question will even help you through tough times. Simply think that one day in the future, what you're going through at the moment will one day just be a story that you tell. I still can't, I still can't wrap my head around, and I, I should have brought pictures of the fact that I was much more chubbier than I am now. I, I get it. I'm not there, but I will. But I was much chubbier. I was bald. I was pale, and I was sitting alone in a room with my wife getting chemotherapy through my blood. I, I just, it didn't happen. <laughs> it's kind of those things that are foggy in your mind, and, and it's weird because now I can't have prune juice. It's like the most disgusting thing because of chemo. Apparently, when you have chemo and you eat something, you can never eat it again because you're disgusted by it. For a moment, it was McDonald's, but it came back. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I wish it would have stayed. <laughs> like, I know we're not perfect. I know we're a work in progress. But there has to be a point in our lives where we begin to think about our legacy. When we begin to think about what we are going to leave behind. Because believe it or not, you do not just leave physical objects behind. You do just leave stuff behind. You leave memories. You leave lessons. You leave ideas. You leave habits all based on the decisions that you made. All on decisions. And your story is, is lived out continuously through the people that you have left behind. And see, what's great about all of this is that if you don't like how your story has been told so far, you can change it. You can change it. You don't have to stay on that page. You can turn the page. In fact, you can get rid of the book and, and put it at the cross and start a whole new one. You could change a story today. It doesn't have to be. In fact, you don't have to live out the story that your past generations, that my grandfather, that my dad, I don't have to live out those stories. I can make a story for my own, for my own family, for my own marriage, for my own kids. And I will leave a legacy that they will say, yeah, yeah, he was weird looking and chubby, but he, had, he loved his wife. He was present with his kids. He was faithful to his church. Carl Rogers, the famous psychologist, believed it was impossible to convince someone to change for the better. He said, the desire, the want to improve was the precondition for progress. And so all of this is useless if you're not willing to change. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.